0: friends of course i go by the name of the kid famous you and now tuned into the tim and friends show hello education entertainment coast to coast ball it up call it entertainment let's get this started Okay, tim let's start this show with five four three
1: two one let's go there friends counting down to the battle of alberta t-minus act A couple hours. We're also counting down to the Jays looking to close out their first sweep of the season. They face the Manners in Game 3 of 3, which is coming your way on Sportsnet 1. Jesse's still dancing over
2: there. <laughs> you know what I have in my head? Bopping to the beat. This is so ridiculous. Uh, you, you posted this on Instagram not too long ago, the we ready, you know that one? And that's what you're doing? We ready. Yeah, because I'm, I'm so jacked for the Battle of Auburn. We ready. For y'all. Do, 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 do. We read it. We read it. We read it. Oh, watch this. <laughs> Sammy's worried about the desk.
1: <laughs> your desk, my desk. My desk. Your my desk finger. We're all good here.
2: Oh, that's it. Kevin Goss with Marco Gonzalez.
1: We're ready for that. That's the pitching matchup on Sportsnet 1. Tim McAuliffe versus Dan Shulman in bald men to tee it up matchup Danny boy will join me within the hour Jesse and I doing good math so we know that it's 3 p.m. in Alberta we'll hammer down in our second hour on the Battle of Alberta because the competition is tough here right now for grade A Alberta beef like I don't know if you know the TV listings in and around 3 and 4 p.m. in Calgary but Ellen DeGeneres is on CTV. Mm -hmm. People's Court is on City TV. Young and the Restless is on Global. I mean, things don't change much in daytime TV. Ellen DeGeneres, People's That's Court, great. Young and the
2: Restless. Like, I'm sure you're too young for all those. No, no, actually, I'm not at all. Young and the Restless was a, a, a school... Year, what is it? What time is it on? Three and, between three and four? I would come home from school and I would watch Young and the Restless. Wonderful. You would watch Young and the Restless? Yeah. yeah. Victor Newman, Nick Newman, yeah. uh, Phyllis... Vicki Newman. Yeah. I know them all. There were a lot Jack. of Newmans. What's Jack's last? name? Yeah. I don't know what Jack's last. Name. So I think that one's really good. Yeah. Price is Right, obviously. You stay home from school and you watch Price is Right. So is that the best daytime show
1: of all time? Yeah, it's not, it's not even close in my opinion. The Price is Right the Price is, is right. the best yeah. daytime yeah. TV show of all I mean, listen, the stability in the long run yeah. of, of course, one of the greatest shows of all time, The Price is Right, is key. Judge Judy? Come
3: on. You're
1: not <laughs> a Judge doing? Judy fan? Do you know Judge Judy made $47 million a year? Not surprised. Juggernaut. I remember reading a story that Judge Judy, she made $47 million a year to make fun of stupid people.
2: Yeah. no, We picked the wrong line of work. Should have been a judge. Well, I might be the stupid people, so I better watch <laughs> out what I say here. So what? You, you, you're, not, you're not... I'm not
1: a soap opera guy. Uh, Price is right. Let's make a deal and its various From I, yeah. I don't know if you can go against Price is right. Right now, at Tim and Friends, let us know the greatest nice.
2: daytime television show of all time. I got one already. I got one already. Jerry Springer. Yeah. short Jerry. 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 How'd it go? You get it? You get it? How'd it, How'd it you go? You get it? Because like, Sid's nickname for me is Jerry. 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 What? You know, like... Nothing we like are all I, I'm happy to have you back. I, I'm ready to go today. I absolutely, positively know
1: that that's going to end up in the end of week. SOT <laughs> when we do the, it's Friday, then... It's 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 they're going to go keep going back to, Jerry, Jerry, and then... <laughs>
2: You're just doing the producing for them. (laughs) You're telling them what to do.
1: No, I'm not telling them what to do. I just knew, and I was Uh, letting you go out there on your own. Uh, My point is, we're on early in Alberta, so we'll push a lot (laughs) of our coverage in the Battle of Alberta to the second hour, too sweet to be sour. So is Kelly Rudy, too sweet to be sour. He's dropping by, as will Craig McTavish, Gene Principe, Ryan Leslie on the Oilers and the Flames. And it's actually contractually obligated Wednesday. So Kenny Reed will join me for that final hour, but we kick out the festivities as we always do with the top stories of the hour. Not daytime TV, but those curated by the homie Jesse Rubinoff. Mm-hmm. We call it First Things First. So let's do this. Jonas Valanciunas. Nice. <laughs> first things first.
4: first.
2: Uh, Ninja Cat wrote in and said, A Jack Abbott is the Jack... Oh, right, Yes. The last name I was looking for. Yes.
1: Filling YNR. out the Y and R. Yes, I, for cast. me, Young and the Restless. I understood it was big, and there were times in my life where I watched Y and R so that I could relate to certain people in my life. You no, know I'm <laughs> not I'm about to just room up. Yeah, I got you. you. No, know, out. I got- <laughs> <laughs> I
2: All right. Here we but,
1: go. But beyond that, I wasn't a big uh, soap opera fan. No, in any way, so. only do so much I look much time like a day. soap opera no, fan? There's only
2: so much time in the day where you can spend all day watching soap operas. Come on. I know yeah. some people chose to do that, but come I on. did like Bonnie Hall, which is before your yeah, time. Yes, it is. I yeah, drew a blank there. Okay, tonight is the night. Wayne Brady. To, yeah let's make a deal and, yes whose line it is anyway he's on that too right yeah uh, that was a good show too that really wasn't a date for the first time since 1991 the flames and Oilers renew their rivalry in the stanley cup playoffs the team split their four regular season meetings with the home team winning each game we touched on it with a rash yesterday but today i have to ask you timmy how excited are you for this series
1: so excited that we decided that we put out a match game today that's that's how excited I am for this listen it would have been great to see all three Canadian teams advance in the postseason instead we get the Battle of Florida and we get the Battle of Alberta and for those who weren't around in 1991 let's be honest there's a lot of people watching this show right now that weren't around in 1991 Mm -hmm. the last time this happened they've seen bits and pieces of what the Battle of Alberta can be uh, but they've never really tasted it for real And starting tonight, they're going to taste it for real. And it wouldn't surprise me that both teams are affected by what happens in the building because both buildings will be electric. Like it's not often where you can say the fans will play a factor. And I guarantee you in both of these buildings, the fans are going to play a factor. And that to me makes playoff sport special is when the fans are absolutely jacked and ready, and you know that's the case
2: in both Calgary and Edmonton. Right, so (sighs) Mark Spector had a really good article uh, on SportsCenter. Seemed pained, what's the matter? No, no, I'm not pained at all. (coughs) No, 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 I'm not pained at all. Mark Spector's article said, you know, this probably isn't going to be as physical as, you know, it's a different sport than it was in the 90s, but are you expecting maybe... Physical or fighting? I disagree with Speck. Physical or fighting? Like, there's two different things. Yeah, they are two different things. But But, this is going to be very physical. So that's my question. Is is there going to be that extra little oomph because it is the Battle of Alberta? I guarantee you both coaches talk to
1: their players about not being overwhelmed by the moment in Game 1. To go out and play their game. Yeah, like It's going to be that fine line between going out, flying around, and smashing dudes. And playing it straight. I mean, we saw in game 7 that guy, Connor McDavid was physical and what it did to the rest of his team. Like I think we're going to have a very physical series. I don't think we're going to see what we saw in the past. We're not going to see the like if Mark Messier here's Connor McDavid doing his thing. Yeah. But if Mark Messier did if someone did what Mark Messier did to Rick Natrus's head with the elbow these days, it would be like an eight-game suspension Mm -hmm. or a ten-game suspension. So we might not see that, but I think we're going to see tons of physicality, and I think it's going to be a ton of fun. Like, I am ready for this to happen, and I had been ready for it since the
2: start of the postseason. You want to do some match games? Sure. We teased it. Uh, Okay, the match game today. I think we're going to hit the music. There it is. I haven't looked forward to something this much since blank. I haven't looked forward to something this much since blank. Eminem since gas was below $1 a liter. That's a long time ago. <laughs> Is this that long ago? I haven't checked the, the, the chart recently, but I feel like during uh, the pandemic, like a long time ago, yeah, a long time yeah, it definitely feels a long time ago. I understand what you're saying. Uh, Fareed, the now classic sprint race between Tim McAuliffe and Jesse Rubinoff. Tim and Jesse have set the bar so high that it's probably too high for even the Battle of Alberta. That
1: is fake news. I uh, I knew Fareed was going to be red in this match game. I saw this earlier in the day, <laughs> and Fareed unlocked the match game get your thing on air by just mentioning Jesse. Ruben no, I mentioned name. you.
2: No, no, you mentioned you. Come on. Now. Second one. Dude. Uh, Bumblebee tuna. Wasn't even that good. Says I haven't looked forward to something this much since my wife told me she was making pierogies for supper. Are you a Pierogi fan? I am a Pierogi fan. Yeah. Yeah. Who isn't a Pierogi fan? Yeah. Okay, Blue Jay Believer. Uh, Match game. I haven't looked forward to something this much since the Maple Leaf annual first round elimination. You knew that was coming. Habs profile. Uh, Calvin. I haven't looked forward to something this much since The Rock versus Hulk Hogan WrestleMania 18. Oh, okay. That was electric, I was in the building, it was unbelievable. unbelievable. In the building. yeah. Nice. It feels like they were staring, I don't remember how long they were staring at each other for, but it felt like 40 minutes. Hollywood Hogan. Yeah, it was incredible. Uh, my small trophy, I haven't looked forward to something this much since the Filipino diving team's epic performance at the Sea Games. Gotta make its way in there. Also feels like uh, one of the ones that can unlock yeah, key so that's, to the match. Again. Yeah, that's a classic, and uh, this is what's going to hit everyone in the fields, I think. But uh, I haven't looked forward to something this much since the tragically hip and an emotional Gord performed one final show for that's Canada. Great. That was amazing. I
1: feel like that just brought us
2: down.
3: I'm mean, not
1: lifting
2: us up. You don't finish on those. Lines. While true, I understand. Well, how do you? I mean, how do you? How do you? How do you read any more after that? That's that's the issue. That's the pickle. That one was really loved online. I, just, I had to get it. But you see what I'm saying? Like you read that one in the middle of the match games. Oh, and then what? You're gonna do the, the, the Filipino, Filipino divers right yeah, after? Yeah, I know. You go okay. down and you bring so it right I'll back up. That's I'll switch it up next. That's time. that's the way I do it. Now it feels like a big downer. <laughs> no, it doesn't. Yeah, look at this it's a mess. Uh, it's not a downer because I, I do have to ask you about um, something that happened on the show yesterday, and that was a Madani's rant. You, um, you know I was off yesterday, right? Yeah, yeah. You were off. So. I want to afford you the opportunity to uh, reflect, right. maybe offer your opinion on Arash Madani's take that essentially was uh, the Leafs told everybody that oh, we're losing... We're already moving on
1: from the Battle of Alberta. Yeah, we're okay, already... get your match games in, kids. Yeah, Get your match games in. This is a Leafs take from um, Arash Madani. I yeah, did it, see his Leafs take.
2: His take was essentially the Leafs are telling everybody that losing is okay and you can keep your job even though you've lost year after That's year after year. That's not what he said. Yes, it is
1: no it's, no, it's not he was he was talking about the positivity and that
2: it felt like no one was being held accountable for first round losses that's what i mean you can keep your job like dubis and shanahan and sheldon keith are keeping their jobs and they haven't won a thing that was his point we're saying the same thing we're saying the exact same thing so do you have a, a an opinion on what a rash had to say um I feel like maybe we watched two different things. I know that you think we're saying the same thing.
1: I don't know. Like, listen, I said the day before that I thought maybe they should trade William Nylander, and I'm a Mm -hmm. William Nylander fan. I think it's their most valuable piece. It would get the most back in return. And for two years in the show, I was telling you, basically, if you're a Leaf fan, that Nylander was the type of guy that you absolutely positively needed. Um, I thought that he never once, in his Toronto Maple Leafs rant, Uh, mentioned the fact that they had franchise highs in wins and points. And, honest question, what does that mean? Like, does that actually account for something? Like, if you're saying that the first round exit was proof that they're just doing the same old thing, are you not discounting the regular season? And I will listen to it. I'm asking you.
2: Yeah, no. I I tried to play devil's advocate with the rash yesterday. I'm at forget and bring points. Me and
1: you talking. How about them out there? Does a franchise record in wins and points mean anything to a franchise that hasn't gotten past the first round
2: in a long, long time? I think um, I think based on who they played and the way they played them, I think it matters. I think it proves that they are on a path. That is different than they have been in years past. But at the same time, I understand the frustration. Like, I, I do. Yeah, but I, I, I asked about the... and I'm not, no, I, I'm, no, no. I'm not trying to be nitpicking. I'm, I'm asking you about the regular season for a reason.
1: Like, I'm not asking you about Tampa Bay. I'm not asking... Because there's a bunch of people out there that are just going to poop all over what you said and say, well, do you know what Tampa is yet? I think last night probably helped your argument a little bit yeah. as they uh, as they ran the Panthers into a, another another loss. But... I'm talking about the regular season, yeah. Sebi. Does the regular season mean anything to you? Uh,
2: no, <laughs> it's a tough question.
1: It's a really tough question, I, and I think that's question. what, and I think that's what Leaf fans are faced with right now mm-hmm. is, does a franchise record in wins and points mean anything to you? And how damning is it to the NHL that a regular season means nothing to an entire fan base? Right, like that should be proof that you're going in the right way but we all know that the game is played two different ways in the regular season and in the postseason so if that question was split
2: 50 50 among fans of any team i would understand it i just don't think you can put up 115 points in a season and then just say it means absolutely nothing it's their job it's those guys on on that board right behind me and behind you it's their uh, responsibility to look at the whole thing from a bird's-eye perspective and evaluate, okay, look, we're a really good team, but there's something missing in the postseason, and we need to make changes to reflect that. So, yeah, 115, I, I mean, they're a good team. They're, they didn't say they teams.
1: weren't going to make changes either. They said
2: we're not going to make changes
1: for the sake of making changes. Right, which is an important distinction between we're not making changes. Yeah. Right? Yeah. I Elliot Friedman on 32 Thoughts was talking about a Maasai-like
2: move. Summer of Kauai.
1: Right. And who could you trade to get that done? Like, there's only two guys that could do that for you. Three guys. Marner, you're not trading Matthews. No, I don't think you're trading Marner. I don't think you're trading Marner either. I'm just saying, who could get
2: that done for you? Nylander. Nylander, Riley, or Marner? Tavares is not. He's not going anywhere. But, yes, I understand. And then no high-profile free agents, like Stewie said a couple days ago. No one would come here anymore. Well, you don't have any cap space. Yeah. So, I think it's Nylander or... What, Riley? They just con- they just signed him to a long-term deal. So. What does that mean? They can't trade him. Yes, they can. Would you what trade him? Pay? Would you trade him? You said DeLander. Would you trade Riley too? Yeah. 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 I think that they need more skilled toughness
1: on the team. I don't—I wouldn't trade both of them, mm-hmm. but I could trade one or the other. Yeah. 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 I think that they need to make a bit of a change on this team Shake to have up. more skilled toughness, but. Uh, uh, Listen, what Arash said, I I think it's really... I honestly believe that half of the fan base believes the way Arash believes, which is how the hell are you running this back Mm -hmm. with the same group? Though I don't think that they said that they weren't going to make changes. I think they said they weren't going to make changes for the sake of making changes. And that regular season means something to a lot of people. And I would guess that those three guys are trying to make the case that it meant something to them as well. And the one thing that nobody talks about enough, Dubis has made his mistakes. I am not a Dubis apologist by any way, in any way, shape or form, but the flat cap screwed a lot of teams. It screwed him and the Edmonton Oilers probably the most mm-hmm. because when you signed those deals, you expected the cap to go up and then you could surround those great players in their prime with more. And because the cap has been flat, they
2: haven't been able to bring in the three million dollar player that a lot of people have been talking about. Yeah, I mean, the only one of those contracts that really looks like it could be bad if, if it's not already bad is, is Tavares. is a lot of money for someone who you're not getting the same level of production. Yeah, you're basically paying 11
1: million dollars for a point a, a point a game
2: player. Yeah, I mean, but he. You know. and 30 goals. Okay, you you're right. He he put up stats, but there are still people out there that have a very negative opinion of what that contract is going to look like starting basically right now because he's 32 years old and the, the last year he put up a point of game, so shut up.
1: <laughs> okay. <laughs> last night, Mark, in year okay. three, yes. I can't believe how narrow focused some of the reaction to all this is. And what you're saying is
2: very narrow focused. He was a point of game player this year. This year? Yes. But 30 goals. Yes. But but, 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 there are buts. There right. are buts. What are the because buts? Because the buts are that when his team, when his line is on the ice, like, he, he, the back. line gets exposed. The line gets exposed defensively. Come on. It does. Come on. All right. I will come on and I will move on. You don't think so? I think they're a good line. They're a good second line yeah, in the age of 11, paying $11 million? $11 million. I already said that. Fine. Fine. Moving on. Last but night, I also gave you a point a game, and you wouldn't accept that. He was, I'll give him, give him a lot of credit. He was very, very good in the he last couple He almost ended the series
1: a couple times, and if Kerfoot has a finish, then he did. He made the play to make it in game six.
2: I'm, I'm tired of the Tavares. Talk. <laughs> all, right, all right. Last night marked the start of round two of the Stanley Cup playoffs, something the Leafs are not taking part in, obviously. The Tampa Bay Lightning won game one of, in the Battle of Florida, 4-1 over the Panthers, and it took overtime. But the Avalanche beat the Blues. Three-two, despite 51 saves, A ridiculous performance from Jordan Bennington in the St. Louis net. Who was more impressive of the two winning teams last night, Tim?
1: Tampa was. Tampa ran Florida out of the building, and they shouldn't be able to. And listen. Jordan Biddington is the only way the Avs win that series, and I think that a lot of people recognize that, especially with the injuries on the back end, Scandella and Krug being out of the lineup for the Blues. I think that series and that game could go a lot like that. Jordan Biddington attempting Mm -hmm. to keep his team in it. But the Tampa Bay Lightning looked really good. And they had the power players rolling, and Florida's power play will revert to what it was, I think, in the regular season. It hasn't scored a goal yet. In the it's postseason, crazy. it's unbelievable how bad they've been. But Vasilevsky was good. The fourth line of Tampa again contributing. Uh, Kucherov looked good oh, after perhaps that move ridiculous oh. move and a tap in. Thank you, sir. May I have another? Eckblad oh, too, right? Like it's not like gross. a pylon. Yeah, that's gross. Say what you will about Aaron
2: Ekblad, like that's not a pylon. Uh, Vasilevsky's back too, right? He, he's he's back. Like we had that stretch in the Leafs series of three goals know, a game. I don't know. I, like, I don't know if you can say he's back. He's looked good in the last three games. But he also has a, a save percentage that's not exactly flattering. Yeah, I mean, it's just really the last two games and, and a period of game six where he's looked particularly good. But if, yeah. if he's dialed in like he has been in years past.
1: This is what we do, though, and this is what bugs me the most. Is mm. like every game, it's whatever happened the last game. And that's what you're doing with Tavares.
2: You want to go back to the
1: still a come. No, I want to move forward to the Battle of Alberta. We will get you set for game number one of the Battle of Alberta. Ken Reed, Kelly Rudy, Craig McTavish, Gene Prince Bay and Ryan Leslie. Plus, Colby Armstrong sits down with Tyson Berry and we'll go live to Rogers Center. Check in with Dan Schulman as the Jays look for their first sweep of the season. Every game day starts right here on Tim and Friends
5: a fly to shallow right field and it's down for a base hit two runs are scored here comes espinal springer into third and he's safe hero throws it ahead to butler oh what a beautiful pass shot clock winding down. butler has to put it up oh he knocks it down oh man what another strip and butler throws it down finishing touches on another jimmy butler masterpiece that ball drilled to left field. All the way back. Bradley Jr. gone. This ball's drilled all the way back in ball. Bradley drives one high and deep to right field. Has he done it? Yes. Yuli Gurriel deep to left field. Number five on the inning. Incredible. Manson looking to shoot.
6: Now he does. And he scores! Yeah!
0: goal of the series. Scores! And Theron Fleury and the Flames are in seventh heaven.
6: Rogers presents Stanley Cup Moments.
0: Messier gets it away. Here's Fleury looking for his first goal of the series. Scores! And Theron Fleury and the Flames are in seventh heaven scored 51 during the regular season, but it's his first of the playoffs that's the biggest one of all. And we're going to a seventh game in Calgary.
6: You could experience moments like this live. Enter for your chance to win a VIP trip to the 2022 Stanley Cup Final. Enter now at rogers.com slash Stanley Cup.
1: The celebration puts that one over them. and had like the game of his life that in Game track. 7. Yeah. And no one remembers the Essatee in goals. Just got to celebrate more. Uh, everyone gearing up for the Battle of Alberta. Let's take a look at the odds. Powered by BetRivers. It's a whole new game. Download the BetRivers online casino and sportsbook app today. Both teams coming off emotional Game 7 wins. Of course, it'll be interesting to see who starts quickly. And what will be a. Fired up, Saddle Dome. No Flames, decent-sized favorites in game one, minus 165. The Flames made the conference final in 2004, of course, when they lost in the cup final. They are minus 195 favorites to win the series and reach that conference final for the first time in 18 years. Well, the Oilers, they made their run in 2006 when they also lost in the cup final for the kids who don't remember. They're plus 160 to win the series and get back to the final for the first time. In 16 years. Got it good, and since you understood. As for the Stanley Cup, Flames' second choice to win it all at plus 550 behind the heavily favored Avs right now, plus 135. So plenty of value outside of Colorado. Oilers are the sixth choice at 14 to 1. And the Blues right now, after losing game one, of course, 40 to 1. Jesse, anything piquing your interest tonight? Well,
2: plus 135 on the Avs is. Unbelievable. I mean, they, they looked incredible again last night. It looked like the Harlem Globetrotters, but that number is basically jam done. That's what the odds are expecting them to just walk to the Stanley Cup. That's it. Plus, Pretty much. Especially five, when you have,
1: I mean, obviously they've won a game in the, com- in the conference Helps semifinal. final. Yeah, you made which, that point last week. Yeah, too. Which yeah. makes it different, but so did Tampa. Yeah.
2: Yep. Yeah, it's right? true. They they do look really good though. Uh, okay. Yes. One thing on uh, Bet Rivers. That uh, caught my eye is they have uh, NHL specials. They have specials for all different sorts of sports. But uh, Connor McDavid to record uh, over 1.5 points against the Flames, including overtime, is minus 112. <laughs> it's so ridiculous almost, bar to set. almost even money, which is insane. But when you factor in that he has uh, 14 points this postseason and has factored in on over 50%, 51.8%, I believe, of Oilers' goals. Uh, Probably going to happen if the Oilers are going to score more than two goals, which is crazy. And then um, the first goal scorer, but odds board. I know it's a ridiculous. It's a you're ridiculous expecting bar. the dude. <laughs> to have two to points every game, yeah. To have course. two points. It's Connor yeah. McDavid, yeah, it's wild. Um, and then the first goal scorer, uh, Leon Dreisaitl, had, had an excellent regular season against the Calgary Flames. 11 points in four games during the regular season, but obviously the, the major X factor there is his health. Yeah, it looks like he, he is, in fact, healthy, so that's why uh, the odds are reflected at plus 950 to have him as the first goal scorer. And Some then, good
1: value at that first
2: line. Yeah, at first uh, yeah Calgary. I mean, yeah. look at that. Johnny Goodrow. Home
1: Kudreau, and
2: Yeah, he's the last flame to score, so look at that one plus 12 basically
1: uh, look at that one uh, eight points in the last three games for mcdavid the Oilers only had 10 goals in those three games it's
2: just so, it's unbelievable
1: so maybe that's where we're at right now when it comes to Connor mcdavid and how well he's playing that they're expecting him to get <laughs> two points uh, our good friend colby armstrong is doing a great job interviewing players throughout the postseason and today's installment colby sits down with oilers defenseman tyson berry here's video evidence of them meeting together and then talking and stuff.
0: Very-
6: You were like the modern defenseman now. It's kind of different. Smaller size, skilled,
7: yeah, high-end defenseman. It wasn't of the norm, you know. I'm like the old version of the new guy. You know, it's, <laughs> yeah. uh, it's, uh, it's pretty impressive what some of these kids coming up are doing now. You look at you know, Kale in yeah. Colorado, Hughes in Vancouver. These yeah. guys, are the way they skate and, and jump in the plays, it's incredible, really.
0: Shot! Barry scores. Game is tied.
7: Now, like power play QB stuff. I like, find this
6: interesting. Do you have naked pictures of GMs? <laughs> like Colorado, Toronto, like, yeah, unbelievable. And then now here with like yeah. two of maybe the best players
7: in the game. Not maybe. I think. <laughs> I think you can yeah. say they definitely are. No, it is interesting. I mean, when I first got to Colorado, when I got drafted there, they had O'Reilly and Duchesne, but then uh, Nate started to develop, and we drafted him, and yeah. obviously you see what he is now, but yeah. yeah. So him and Nico, you know, they were on the flanks, and Gabe was probably, you know, one of the best net front guys I've ever seen. So we ended up having a pretty good little power play work in there, and then Toronto, I mean, I got there, and they already had the, the workings of it, you know? I signed in Edmonton for a reason, too. (laughs) It wasn't like I was surprised Connor and Leon were there when I got there, you know? Yeah. I know, you know, kind of what my strengths are at this point in my career, and, you know, you try to put yourself in positions where, you know, it works for you. Yeah.
6: So different personnel, different guys, you know, you look at Leon, Leon's got that big one knee down paddle, one time, Yeah. you know. McKinnon, you know, he's got the, he has got shoots it from the flanks. Yeah. You know, I don't think, like, Austin wasn't a big one-timer guy. Mitchie no, wasn't ripping it. Like, work your mind and adjusting and understanding yeah. these players. Right? Yeah,
7: I feel like it's funny, like, even with, like, Nate didn't have a big one-timer when, when yeah. he started. We worked on that all the time because he wanted to add that part to his game, which he has now. Yeah. But Nate doesn't like to have any spin on the puck when you give it to him. He wants it and just, full, like, flat. Yeah. So I always try to give him the least amount of spin because he's a guy who'll let you know if it's spinning too much or whatever. And then, you know, Leon now, he likes loves putting spin on the puck. So there's just like little things that guys like, and then, you know, you've got, uh, like you mentioned, like Marnes isn't taking a one-timer. I yeah. think uh, Austin's gotten his one-timers he's better now. He's starting to it, hammer yeah. it. Um, but those are guys, you know, you want to hit them coming down. You want to put it ahead of them so they get it with speed and they can make their play or yeah. whatever. And kind of like with Connor, you know, he's always coming downhill. He's yeah, yeah, so you got you got to make sure the puck's out ahead of them. How do you handle playing with the best players in the game? You know, when it's the pressure's on for you to, you know, you to Yeah, be guy. It's funny because I'm a pretty I'm like a super positive guy. always uh, you know, if someone tries to make a pass, it doesn't work, I say, hey, nice try. Like, you know, but some guys take a different approach and <laughs> yeah. I play with a few of them and you know, they're so good and they're playing the game at a certain level and you wanna make sure that you're keeping up and it is funny though like you know Nate and Leon, I, they're similar. They'll let you know if you're not making a good pass or whatever. So I actually enjoy uh, getting into it with them on the ice, giving well, it, like, it back to them. Like, and it's all. I mean, we're best friends at the end of yeah. the day, so it's all. We have a laugh after. But it is different seeing the personalities of all these great players. You know, like Austin was so like, he was more like me. Like, oh hey, good try. Whereas yeah. Leon's like, hey, really? give me that puck. You know, it's yeah. uh, it's funny. But obviously, it all works for them in different ways. Yeah. And, um, yeah, they're all they're all finding ways to keep pushing and getting better, which is pretty incredible. Like, how important do you think in the dynamics of your dressing
6: room or whatever, like, a personality? Brag about yourself a little
7: bit. Yeah, maybe. I'm the most important guy in the world yeah. world.
6: <laughs> Is that what you want me to say? Yeah. Well, no, it's like, yeah. you gotta have certain personalities, right? Yeah. And, you know, yours is, I think, valuable in a situation where you've got marquee stars. Yeah. You know? That I think they enjoy it.
7: Yeah, I think it's nice to keep everything loose and yeah. have fun, and there's certainly times where I'm probably not... Great, or being as serious as I, I should be, you know. And then, you know, that's when other guys step in and fill that role. But I'm definitely like, uh, you know, I like to just kind of see the see the big picture, and you know, we get to play in the NHL and hang out with your best buddies every day. So it's uh, yeah. it's nice to come to the rink and make each other laugh and have some fun with it. You know, we're doing a lot of serious stuff and. Playing a game that can be, you know, tough a lot of times, so it's nice to just actually enjoy what you're doing. Yeah, and, uh, that's kind of what I try to do.
6: What a guy, eh? What a social butterfly. I, <laughs> I, I like that, to
7: be social, no <laughs> doubt. There he is, Tyson Berry. Hey, thanks, thanks for buddy.
6: having me. Berry shoots, he scores!
1: He's played with some pretty good dudes. <laughs> <laughs> just a couple. McKinnon, Matthews, Marner, and he Ridiculous. graduates to dry saddle and mcdavid hey listen uh jesse was wearing a hoodie on monday that uh we had made up here on tim and friends and we decided that we'd give a few out now i don't know if you've seen the picture that they have posted online jesse yeah, I appreciate that, uh, but if we take the computer we are giving away this hoodie that jesse is wearing is in this hoodie? picture it says, I'm a friend. Uh, want to wear the Tim and Friends hoodie? Sure you do. Predict the score on tonight's Battle of Alberta. And if you get it right, you get a chance to win. Use hashtag TFPredict to guess the score of tonight's game along with the winner to be entered. And it looks as though there's a few
2: people that are entering. You, do you want to make a comment on how you look in the picture? Is that what doing? No, 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 not at all. all right. No, I just want to yeah mention that TFPredict is doing pretty well online. That's it. That's it. You go for
1: it. That's right. That's it. Uh, it is trending number one in Canada uh, ahead of Flames' first goal. Why'd you cut out
2: Flames' first goal? The people. I don't know. I just zoomed you in. You take my computer. The, the people want them hoodies. Uh,
1: we, we got the hoodie here. Uh, if anyone wants to see. Oh, oh, there we go. Maddie's taken. Don't worry, Maddie. Stay there. Uh, I'll I'll talk about this. So Flames' first goal, which always trends in right. Canada. Uh, and how about Soto? We're gonna have to get into that. Real quick with Dan Shulman.
2: Like eight different articles today that he's going to be
3: dealt.
1: And some to the Jays.
2: Yeah.
1: Uh, All right, so this hoodie, this is the one that we are giving away uh, at TF Predict. That's Tim and Friends Predict. Give us uh, the score of the game and who wins, and we will take a bunch
2: of It's a lot nicer when I'm not wearing it. Good. Yeah, no. What are you talking about? No, it's, it just looks better when it's off me. But it is, it is a really I mean, nice hoodie. I'm so worried
1: about no. these. Things. No, I, I. No, you, you brought fantastic. it up. You brought it up. I didn't. You I didn't look say fantastic. <laughs> Thank you. Appreciate it. Yeah, you might have said something during the commercial <laughs> break. Uh, time for break. When we come back, Jays bounce back from a tough road trip with two straight wins at home tonight. They look for their first sweep We we'll see see Kevin Gossman gets the ball too. The pitchers have looked good. Kevin Gossman's looked good. Could the Jays get the sweep? Dan Shulman joins us next from Roger Center. And we'll also ask them maybe about Juan Soto.
5: The roof is open at the old ballpark for the first time this season. Curveball hit to deep left field. Gone! Moe Bichette and the Blue Jays strike early. There's a smash. Straight away center field. Goodbye! An absolute no from the bat of Matt Chapman. Swing and a miss, fastball again. As you say, Kikuchi, the results have been very encouraging. A really nice opening series win for the Blue Jays. Another night, another ball game, and another ball game with the roof open. A fly to shallow right field, and it's down. Two runs are scored. Here comes Espinall. He will score. Springer in the third, and he's safe. A blue
4: This is the best I've seen him all year
5: as the Jays make it two in a row they will look for a sweep tomorrow night. Looking for their
1: first sweep of the season in fact the man whose voice you just heard so eloquently described the Toronto Blue Jays first two wins in the series. Dan Shulman who has always been very kind of the show joins me now. Welcome back Danny and thank you for doing this as always.
5: Uh, anytime, Jim. Good. To, I can't see you, but yeah. good to hear you. <laughs> it's probably a good thing that you can't see me from the play. Uh,
1: can you see the dome open or closed? Do we have an update here? What's going
5: on? Closed. All the right. flap is not open. As of now, it is closed. The prediction is it will remain closed. All right. Understood.
1: I, I know at the end of the road trip, there was much consternation about this team, but it's been a pretty nice response in these first two games, hasn't it?
5: Yeah, I mean, the pitching's been great, right? Kikuchi yeah. and Barrios were terrific. They've only allowed two runs in two games. They've scored nine runs in the two games. Like in the first game, they swung the bat well, hit a couple of home runs. Last night, George Springer would be the first guy to tell you, he's hit a lot of balls harder than the one he hit last night for a triple, uh, but it fell in and scored all three runs in the ballgame. So it has been a nice response. I think they're happy to be home. They're 12-6 and six at home. And again, and you don't want to make too big of a thing of this, but the schedule was really, really tough over the first, what was it, 35 games of the season. And that's not to disrespect anybody coming up over the next few weeks. They do have some good teams that they're playing, but the schedule gets easier. How you play matters. Who you play sometimes matters as well. Uh, so you mentioned the starting rotation and it seems like they're really settling
1: in here even if you go a little bit further back you can go four games back and go 15 games back. What's been the key to their success lately? Is it just settling in?
5: Well, I think it's a really good rotation. I mean, yeah. not to over oversimplify the process here, but uh, you know, you've got a guy in Gosman who had a 2.81 ERA with San Francisco last year. You got a guy in Manoa who is obviously incredibly talented and off to a great start in his big league career. You got a guy in Barrios who's about as dependable and, and durable and reliable and consistent as any starting pitcher has been in the game. Uh, the other two spots were the ones that we were wondering about. So in terms of settling in, you say Kikuchi, obviously. And, and, you know, we've all seen the changes that he has made along with Pete Walker and Matt Bushman and others. And the last three starts have been tremendously encouraging. The fastball usage, the fastball command, the new slider, everything looks really good for Kikuchi. And then to see Hyunjin Ryu come off the IL and look a little bit more like himself as opposed to the first two starts of the season, that was encouraging as well. This is a very talented, high-ceiling rotation. If they're just all healthy and doing what they're capable of doing, this should be one of the best rotations in baseball. Kevin
1: Gossman gets a call tonight, and there are some great numbers there. What's the most impressive part of
5: his start to you? I think two things. Um, And we're going to show what we call heat maps during the game tonight. Where his fastball has been thrown this year, where his splitter has been thrown, where his slider has been thrown. You couldn't draw up better heat maps, smarter, more effective, uh, more productive heat maps than Gosman has. The fastball is up in the zone. The splitter is down and into the righties or down and away to the lefties. The slider is down and away from the righties, down and into the lefties, although he doesn't really throw it, the slider to lefties. So he's putting the ball where he wants to put the ball. The other thing is, you know, his splitter is as – good a pitch as any any pitcher has in baseball it really is and in terms of getting swings and misses getting chases strike threes however you want to say it's in their head so much sometimes he'll throw a fastball right down the middle and get strike three there because they're thinking about the splitter I mean this is really a guy who understands himself very well he knows what he has to do to be successful and he's doing it each and every time out
1: it's not all sunshine unicorns and big league chew here dan the bullpen (laughs) after more than carrying their weight in 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 the early going uh seems to have come back down to earth like is it shopping time yet can they get more out of the bullpen what's your view of the of the back end here
5: Uh, i'm not sure it's shopping time yet like whatever they're going through now is not nearly as bad as what they were going through at about this time last year. Like last year, they had to go out and make deals early, and they got Richards and Simber early. I wouldn't be surprised if they get somebody at the deadline. I wouldn't be surprised if they get somebody before the deadline, but we're still two and a half months away from the deadline, and, and I don't know that they need somebody now there was a lot of talk uh, today on the field and last couple of days you know this bullpen doesn't have as much velocity and as much swing and miss as most bullpens have that is a bit of a concern although when Charlie Montoya was asked about it in his office about an hour and a half ago he said you know what it would be a bigger concern if it was a bad defensive team but it's a good defensive team so you're not as afraid of contact with the defense the Blue Jays are playing and I don't know if if fans agree with this or realize this the Blue Jays grayed out as one of the better defensive teams in baseball, one of the best defensive teams uh, in baseball this year. Defensive runs, say, whatever number you want to look at, they're way better defensively than they were, say, two years ago. So the lack of swing and a miss, it's not something to ignore, but I don't think it's something to push the panic button on either. Now, the, the other two things, Jordan Romano on the field playing catch today good sign ross atkins says he is suffering from a gastrointestinal infection he's on antibiotics he does not think it will require a stint on the il that's great news tim meza out for 15 days right now hopefully no longer than that they need those two guys obviously if you've got those two guys you've got garcia and simber and phelps and barucky and richards all in really good slots for them but i do think whether it's june or july tim I think somebody else is coming and i and i think it'll be somebody with good velocity who's got swing and miss stuff not necessarily not to be a closer but to be another guy who can pitch late right. in the game in front of romano alongside the other guys and, and get some strikeouts every now and again when the situation calls for
1: it. some more leverage i understand it and S- simber's been unbelievable has he not
5: yeah yeah remarkably um the numbers are great they're yeah. just great uh you know sometimes you look at a guy like simber and you don't give him a, mu- a- enough credit because he's funky, because he doesn't throw that hard. Um, This is not a fluke. I mean, he's been doing it for almost a year now since the Blue Jays got him in the deal with the Marlins. And he gets righties out, he gets lefties out, he gets outs in the sixth inning with men on base. He comes in and he works a clean ninth when Romano's unavailable. He has been huge, huge for them. Uh, in the bullpen. I love watching him pitch. I love the whole thing. I love the reactions from the batters. I love, uh, you know, some of the quirks that he's got on the mound. I, I, I love the whole situation. And he's been great. And they got him like for nothing. They got him with Corey Dickerson for Joe Panic, and, and and the Marlins threw some cash in to, to make it work uh, a little bit as well. So he has been a huge part of this bullpen. And he's the kind of guy, like, if he wound up on the Rays, you'd say, oh, yeah, that makes sense. That's a razy kind of guy. He's a little tricky. He's a little different. He can get this type of hitter out. You know, and the Blue Jays, I think, have gone out and consciously tried to get different looks and different arsenals out of, out of the bullpen. And Simber is a big part of that. And, and one of the great things about him, and it applies to Phelps, it applies to Richards, yeah. it applies to Garcia, it doesn't matter if it's the 6th or 7th or 8th or ninth. When the phone rings and it's your time and the situation calls for it, go in and get outs. And there's a lot of unselfishness going on out in that bullpen as well. All right, I'm sure there's Jays fans
1: right now yelling at me that I'm burying the lead because when we went to break, I brought up the fact that, uh, I don't know if you know this, but uh, Tim and friends predict, TF predict, is the number one trend in Canada right now. Flames' first goal. Uh, We also have a UEFA Europa League final going on right now. But Soto is the number four trend in Canada right now. And that's because there are suggestions that Juan Soto might be on the trade market and the Jays have been kind of sort of tied. Now, I know this is somewhat unfair because it feels like a lot of conjecture here, Mr. Shulman. But when you hear Juan Soto and you hear the Blue Jays in the same sentence, people get excited a little bit
5: i understand that um feels like uh, is is long shot trending is that the fifth <laughs> is that the thing that, number five <laughs> that's a that's a big fish to go out and get right i mean can you imagine the package you would have to put together i think he's a free agent after the 2024 season so you're talking about more than two and a half years of Juan Soto Um, it would be a huge package of of players and prospects to go get a guy like that I think they're going to get a guy and I think they need to get a guy we talked about I think they're going to get an arm in the bullpen I think a left-handed bat has to come to this team I don't know what position he has to play because they like to cycle guys through the DH spot you know you hear names like Josh Bell and Andrew Benintendi who I think is a really interesting guy to consider Ian Happ uh, there are guys out there who can help, but Juan Soto, man, I mean, that is that is a huge ask and a huge get. Um, I, I would be shocked, to be honest with you. I, I would be shocked. I think they're going to go out and get somebody, but... Uh, I, I, don't I mean, even, first of all, the Nationals have to want to trade him, and second of all, you got to put together the best package yeah. for a player of that magnitude. That's uh, and th- then that's pay three hundred and fifty million dollars because apparently that's well. What he, but, but that's yeah. Like, that that's the other thing. Like, yeah. He turned down three hundred and fifty. <laughs> right. So if you get Juan Soto, right? But but Juan Soto, I don't know what he makes this year. I mean, obviously he's get he's he's well into arbitration yeah. already. Like you're going to have to pay him $25, $30, twenty five, thirty, thirty five over the next couple of years. And I get it. You go pay it. You try to win a World Series. I'm pushing all my chips in uh, to the middle of the table over the next three years as well. But, but. again, just think of the pack. Like, throw four names out there. Yeah. Like, give me Every four guys you'd have and, to give up to right. get, right? And, and yeah. uh, like, would you have to give up Moreno and yes. Martinez and two good guys, young guys <laughs> off this roster? And I, I, I don't know. And, again, I'm sure some people are saying, do it. Go do it. And, and But it, it just seems like a lot of things have to happen for that to happen. It would be – that would be exciting. Can you imagine him <laughs> on the field? Yeah, that's why people are excited. Where do you hit him? Say yeah. right. Imagine him in the barrio. Imagine <laughs> how much fun he would have yeah. with the guys in the barrio at the end of the dugout. Never mind between the white lines. But yeah. that would be an incredible get. But it feels like uh, it feels like a lot to ask.
1: All right, Danny, thanks for the time. We always appreciate it.
5: All right. See you. See you, Timmy. Right. There is uh,
1: Dan Shulman about to call third of three between. The Mariners and the Jays. Time for a break. We'll be back with Tim and friends after this.
8: Tim and friends,
4: stop for Tim and friends. Tim and friends. Tim and friends, stop for Tim and friends. Tim
5: and friends. And now, time for real sports talk with Jim McAuliffe. Friends of the show.
1: Thank you very much, Sheepdogs. This is hour number two. It's Tim and Friends Live, Coast to Coast Sportsnet, Sportsnet 360, Blue Jay Central over on Sportsnet 1, bottom of the hour. Not only do we have a bleep load of hockey talk coming your way over the next 60 minutes, we also have Kenny Reed in studio. What is now known as the contractually obligated hour. Senior Reed, how are you doing? Thank you. Uh, Sorry I wasn't in last week.
9: I was tired from overtime, but I thought we were going to dedicate this whole hour. To uh, recalling how I totally predicted what would happen to the Maple Leafs since the start of the season. That's what I thought we were going to talk about. THIS oh,
1: hour. I thought I thought we were going to talk about the fact that you worked in both Edmonton and Calgary, and we have a battle of Alberta moving forward. We can but do that. But as Jesse did to me in the opening block, and I was mad at him for doing this, mm-hmm. went right to the Leafs immediately. Yeah. And you know, having worked in both Edmonton and Calgary, yes. that pisses off the market as it should. Edmonton and as Calgary it should. As when they should. make it about the Leafs,
9: as it should. You know what fans in Edmonton and Calgary have? <laughs> What's that? They have uh, expectations of their teams, which is something Toronto fans should actually learn what expectations should be. Like, Like if, if Calgary and Edmonton had lost each in the first round, they wouldn't be going around going, hell, we, we had a good season. Everything's good. Things would
1: have happened. We'll get to that later. <laughs> Do you think that anyone in Toronto is actually saying that? Yes! This yeah. entire no, sick they're trying, fan base. No, they're bases. trying to figure out whether or not they should switch pieces. That's what they're trying
9: to Look, figure out. Well, what did Shanahan and Duba say? We made progress. We had the best season in Leafs history. It was still fourth overall in the National Hockey League. That's how pitiful this franchise is. Yeah, they were fourth overall in the yeah, National and they Hockey think, League. Yeah, and they think, you know what, you still <laughs> lost the first round. You know what the Leafs remind me of, Tim? Exactly. They remind me of me. Every year they say they're going to do something different. Every year they do the same thing. Every year they're great in the regular season. Every year they lose in the first round. I say I'm going to do something different every year. Every year I do the same thing. Every year I end up with the same bag of milk body. I, Nothing changes. I, I,
1: I hear where we're going here. Lowered expectations. That's exactly it, MAD TV. You got it. All right, Kenny, let's start with what's making news at this hour. And, of course, what's making news at this hour, only one place to go. That yes. is the Battle of Alberta gets going tonight in Calgary have you heard it's the first time they're meeting in the postseason since 1991 it's the last say. time i called it the battle of alberta <laughs> of course you can see it right here on Sportsnet hockey central will get you going nine eastern seven in alberta Sportsnet last west just three hours away from game one between the oilers and the flames let's head inside scotia saddledome where gene principe is standing by with the edmonton side of things gino Big question mark for the Oilers. Of course, the health yeah. of Leon Draisaitl. Does it seem like we will be getting, uh, I guess it's not. We're not getting any information from either one of the coaches <laughs> no. when it comes to injury updates.
4: Yeah, I think Ken's more honest about the Leafs and uh, coaches at this point in the playoffs have honesty when it comes to uh players whether they're going to play or not. Now the line, uh, Daryl Sutter started it and uh, Jay Woodcroft has kind of taken it and used it as well this morning. He was asked uh, generally especially about Leon Drysaddle. The last time we saw him skate was in game seven against LA. He has not skated since then. I I thought today optional skate he would be on uh, not so much to test uh, what we believe is an ankle injury but just to get out there back on his blades but uh, not the case. Evander Kane didn't skate either and uh, Jay Woodcroft said like Daryl Sutter said uh, prior to Game seven of their series against Dallas. Uh, every player who didn't skate is available, so that leaves us uh, wide open as to whether Leon Draisaitl, Evander Kane will play. They will play, but the coach isn't saying it at this point. Uh, Connor McDavid did say quite a bit. Uh, earlier today talking about reigniting the battle of alberta as you mentioned 31 years since these two teams have met in the postseason and he also discussed the season series between these two clubs edmonton winning the first two at home and then losing two in this building including a 9-5 loss late march which seems to have been either a turning point or potentially a rallying point for the oilers
0: i think you've seen uh... We've seen both sides when we when we play each other in the regular season. You know, we've seen low, low scoring, tight checking games, and obviously, last time we were in here it was a nine five gong show, pretty much. So, uh, um, you know, obviously, uh, obviously, we, uh, you know, we 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 want to be a checking team, and, and obviously, that's the that's the that's the the, the brand that they want to play as well. So, you know, kind of depends. I mean, I think you'll see low scoring nights, and you know, maybe some nights there's
4: there's a couple more goals, but. I would expect it to be a pretty tight checking series. Interesting to hear that, considering McDavid was number one in scoring the NHL. Johnny Gaudreau wasn't uh, far back, and four of the top eight scores at the end of the season will be taking part in this series but uh, one of the big things developing both in edmonton at rogers place and here at the saddle dome for calgary fans are t- trying to get tickets and i as i was walking in today a little uh, kind of uh, role playing here so this guy comes kind of scurrying out he goes three four fifty eight and his i believe his wife partner girlfriend says total he goes no and she goes each and he said Yeah, we got to decide. So I I don't know if they bought the tickets, but I will say this. If they didn't buy them, somebody else did. And uh, Ken and Tim, fans in this province have been waiting over three decades. So I think they've saved their playoff money, and they're ready to spend it in Edmonton and tonight here to start Games 1 and 2 in Calgary.
1: Uh, it sounds like Toronto prices as we get back to Toronto. 500 bucks a seat. Okay. Yeah, yeah, that was some good role-playing, Gene. <laughs> was... I haven't seen role-playing that good since bath night
9: on
4: Saturday. <laughs> what?
9: i oh, will just kidding. No, yeah.
4: right. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, Gino. No problem, boys. Take care. Yeah, we'll Enjoy the off.
1: series. We'll let you off the hook on that one. Uh, all right, Ryan Leslie also standing by at the Saddle Dome uh, with Calgary's <laughs> side of things. Ryan, what's the little <laughs> latest as he's shaking his
8: head? <laughs> <laughs> He's, like, 50 feet away from me. I might go over there and punch him myself. Well, that's what I want to see, Ryan. I was going to say, you, you guys are in front of, Look, this is the Battle of
9: Alberta, man. I'd like to think back in the day. Uh, you can see the Ed Whalen broadcast booth behind Gene. Gene's I always head, have yeah. a, I this fantasy that. that back in the day, you know, Ed Whalen and Brian Hall would be scrapping it out in the press box. Do you guys want to fight or anything to get the, the crowd really into this? Settle it right now, Calgary-Evington style? Uh, uh, Gene, uh,
8: I've changed my tune. I'm going to fly to Toronto and take your teeth out if you keep talking. <laughs> uh, well, they're well, veneers, it's so it's going to cost you. you. I'm just. Uh... As we try to hype this thing up, I think Gene did a great job of it. Uh, Just the news of the day, really, as far as the Calgary Flames are concerned, is really about Chris Tanoff. They need to get that guy back in the blue line. He skated yesterday. We don't know uh, at this point, because as Gene said, they're not tipping their hand. We don't know if that guy is going to come in, but he is essential to the blue line, and essential if uh, you're going to have any chance of stopping uh, Leon and Connor and company. So, uh, they hope we will see here in a short time if he is good to go. Uh, We also know that uh, there. are also going to have to rely on the likes of Elias Lindholm, who is a finalist for the uh, uh, Selkie awards. So they need his two-way presence. Uh, the, all the talk this morning it was pretty loose as far as the Flames are concerned. You know, the, all the talk was about five on five. They talked about that against uh, the Dallas Stars in that opening series, how they really did have to stay out of the box. And they are a very good and deep team five on five. They know that's going to be hard, especially with just how lethal uh, the Oilers' offense and their power play are. So we'll wait and see. But right now, it was all about uh, Daryl Sutter still playing that game within the game when asked about being the underdog.
0: Yeah, you know what? That, I love that underdog stuff. Yeah, we're the underdog. i been saying they're the underdog. I love that stuff, right? I mean, so <laughs> I love it. I think the best part is is uh, that being um, you know, talk about the underdogs and well, quite honest, in July and August and September it was, you know, the Flames were like sixth or seventh in their division and then in December and January that's what Edmonton, where everybody was saying about Edmonton and now they're both in the second round so it just tells you that the white noise and the bull**** (laughs) is just that.
8: A uh, lot of white noise and BS coming from both Gene and I, but yeah. uh, if Daryl's watching in his office, we're with you, coach. But uh, <laughs> listen, guys, uh, this whole province is on fire. Everybody on the hockey side of things is here. Uh, the province is ready. Um, the weather is mild and windy, and it will not uh, damper any of the spirits outside as they get ready for their viewing party here. It will be madness. Oilers and Flames, game one from Calgary tonight. Boys,
9: Yeah, white noise and BS, that's our business. And, and Ryan, you know. I love to talk about back in the day, and I like to tell kids how everything sucks now compared to the 80s and 90s. (laughs) Listen, kids from today, they're going to have their own story starting tonight, and I probably won't be yelling about history as much as I will be after tonight, because listen, first time in 31 years. You worked locally in TV uh, at Global in in Calgary. Ryan, I worked in both markets. I hate saying Battle of Alberta on TV, because I insist it hasn't happened in 31 years. i can say battle of alberta now buddy and this is this is history we're gonna see history tonight starting again
8: yeah and i think it's a it's a different version obviously and a lot of these players that that spoke today and on both sides of this uh rivalry they're not overly aware a lot of most of these guys weren't even born and so it was uh a different feel they're getting a sense of it they've heard all the stories but they want to write their own chapter now and there is some bad blood but there's also some familiarity Uh, the reality is it it, it is high-end skill on both sides you have got top performers dangerous dangerous bad dudes tough physical fast skilled so it may not be what we grew up watching in this battle of alberta but we're going to see a pile of skill, and I think the best hockey is still to come.
9: Timmy Hunter's going to be in the red lot I saw on Twitter, so you know the guys oh, are still
8: around. You know, look out! Yeah, look out! Oh, yeah.
1: I I understand.
9: Uh, Let's get Ken, it on.
1: Kenny, not a <laughs> CFL fan, as he not says the as he hasn't said the Battle of Alberta in a long time. No, before, right? it's, no, they,
9: it's it's the Battle of Alberta. It's, it, it's a hockey tra- thing.
1: It's, it's actually trademarked by, by the, the Oilers. Edmonton, yeah, the Edmonton oh. Oilers. Rhino, thank you for this. I always appreciate you, and uh, we will let you be. Enjoy the game. Go fight, Gene. <laughs> Have fun, boys, and film it. Uh, game one between the Rangers and the Canes goes tonight. You can see that one on Sportsnet East, Ontario Pacific, seven Eastern, immediately following this show. By the way, I, I know people don't think that's a hockey market, mm-hmm. but they rally around the team. Those who like it like it a lot, right? You know, they have oh, fun, they right? rally around the team.
9: The best part was how you laughed at yourself. There, you're so proud of that. There, there was actually a laugh, sarcastic laugh. Yeah.
1: Yeah, all right, uh, both teams going off seven game series. It'll be anti anti-ranta in that six former Rangers on the Carolina roster. And finally, Jets forward Kyle Connor, a finalist for the Lady Bing Award, along with Jacob Slavin and Jared Spurgeon of the Wild, who cross-checked the guy's ankles in the post regular season award (laughs) Slavin was last year's winner of the award which recognized sportsmanship gentlemanly conduct a high standard of playing ability he wins again. Slavin will be the first repeat winner since marty saint louis in 2011. is this the silliest trophy no
9: i was going to say i could order some Offer some expertise on this. In Midget C, I won the S.O. Medal of Achievement for most sportsmanlike. So if you'd like me to chime in on the Lady Bing, I can offer you some expertise. On Do you, like? Are you proud of winning your award and or the Lady Bing Award? Yes, I'm very proud of winning mine because in Adams C, I had a stick swinging problem and I'd smash my sticks and my coach, Paul Landry, benched me. And then in Bantam C, I would shoot off to the refs and Scotty Aiken, my coach, would bench me. And at Midget C, I learned my lesson. I matured and realized it's just a game. Not a lot of guys from Midget C so make the jump to the National Hockey League. No, no, I've heard that it's a big jump. Yeah. I realized I
1: wasn't going to be one of those guys, so I figured I'll be a good sport. So out east, AAA, uh, AA, A is A, B, C, right? No, no, yeah. It, ba- well,
9: back then, you just had A, right? We didn't right. have AAA when I grew up. Well, you had AAA Midget. That, so you had AAA, A, and then
1: C. So, yeah, it was pretty it? low level of hockey. Do- <laughs> All right, never mind. <laughs> never mind. Um, what does this mean? I mean... You, you touched on it just quickly, but you worked in both of these markets, yeah. Edmonton and Calgary. That's why I first met you. Yes. Uh, like, what does this mean? Probably at Cowboys. <laughs> you know, there is yeah, yeah. probably a couple different places. Yeah. Yeah.
9: What's it mean? Yeah. Uh, it means we're going to see passion, and it means we're going to see emotion. And passion and emotion are what, what makes sports so great because they can't be measured. And you're going to, I mean, in 06, I was in Edmonton when the Oilers made it. To the final end, I'm telling you, there's probably people in Calgary cheering for the Oilers. Like, that's how weird it got. Yeah. You know, that I was in Calgary when they had a provincial lottery, that lottery to say, to fund the Oilers, to fund the Flames. And people can talk about Gary Batman all you want. If it wasn't for Gary Batman, I don't think the Flames would be there, I don't think the Oilers would be there. And this is just, so we're just gonna, it's like gonna be a throwback, but like Ryan said, a new version. Because right. these guys are so skilled. It's a different hockey than we saw 31 years ago, obviously. Yeah. Um, You'd be arrested for stuff that went on regularly every shift back then. But we're just going to see passion. We're going to see energy. And passion and energy are what makes sports great. And I guarantee you my mom will call me and she'll say, what do you think about the Oilers and Flames? And when sports goes to mom and sports goes beyond that sport, that's when people connect with it. Like the Jays run a few years ago, and people are going to be talking about this. It's going to be fantastic.
1: uh, Even 04 and 06 are a long time ago. Absolutely. a generation ago. Yeah. Stick around. Absolutely, I'm contractually obligated. Jesse is as well. So coming up, we will continue the hot cotton conversation or the hockey conversation. Better be careful with that one, Mikael. <laughs> the playing. hockey conversation with Kelly Rudy. You got a sweatshirt for me, by the way? You want a sweatshirt? We're giving them away. I, I heard. You think uh, you'd ha- give them the guys hashtag- who actually come on the show? Hashtag TF predict. Welcome back to Tim and Friends. Here's a look at tonight's schedule in the Stanley Cup Playoffs. Game one, Rangers. Canes follows us on Sportsnet East, Ontario Pacific, 7 Eastern start time. Then 9 Eastern, 7 local. Hockey Central get you set for the Battle of Alberta on Sportsnet West, and it's Game one, Oilers. Flames. 9:30 Eastern, 7:30 local on Sportsnet hence cbc we were just talking in the break ken reed jesse and i about jesse being three years old the last time the battle of alberta was played and i say that jesse to provide context Mm -hmm. for our next guest kelly rudy who Mm. joins us and not only does he work in calgary not only does he grew up in edmonton i know this is an alberta boy junior in the hat kelly thank you for doing this
3: my pleasure. I was just uh, before talking to you, nice gentleman. I was talking to my mom, and she was telling me her feelings about the Battle of Alberta and who might uh, come out on top.
9: <laughs> well, what did what did, what did mom say?
3: I can't share. <laughs>
9: <laughs> <laughs> Privileged
3: information. Yeah. Now, is, oh,
9: that's a source tells you. Okay, I yeah. see it.
3: Hey, um, that's right. Th- that is a
9: good thing, because Kelly, you said you were just listening to 960 Sportsnet on the way into. Uh, into 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 the dome and they were actually talking if the broadcasters got into it back in the day that that, that's how intense
3: this was (laughs) i know it's funny they had the legendary peter mar on and uh every time you hear peter right it's just uh it's a great radio and he tells such a great storyteller and so he was just sharing the stories but he and rod phillips and uh Uh, the legendary broadcaster of the Edmonton Oilers and how they would have a little chat the morning of a game and uh, they didn't really get into it but he talked about some of the charity work that both teams did in the summer in particular this uh, automobile uh, golf tournament that the uh, dealers uh, in Alberta hosted in Red Deer and each team would send five players but Peter was on the organizing committee, but he had, they had to make sure that they're seated across the entire ballroom because there might have been sparks or fireworks or maybe in a fistfight at some point uh, at the dinner of the night before. So it's a vastly different time than it is now, of course.
9: There's mm-hmm. no way Neil Sheehy and Marty McSorley played in that tournament at the same time.
3: <laughs> <laughs> I love it. Those are good names. Uh, I can tell you've been around the battle for a lot of years. But Kelly, like I mean, you, you you've seen it. You weren't, you
1: know, like right in the middle of it. But is was that one of the best rivalries of all time in this league?
3: I would say. Um, nice. Now, as you mentioned, Tim, I didn't participate, but I was, uh, I watched, and I, I knew the rivalry that uh, we had when I was traded to LA. With not only for us, not only Edmonton because of the Gretzky trade, but yep. with Calgary as well, with Wayne's history with them, but also Vancouver because Vancouver they're an up and coming team, and we saw the growth uh, that they were uh, experiencing. So they're really cool. But probably, probably my first really big rivalry that I experienced was Islanders versus the yeah. Rangers, and that was at a different level. And the the Ranger fans in MSG are. Uh, Let's just say they would say some of the meanest things to us in warm-up that, uh, Sometimes you'd just shake your head like, really? It it means that much that you're willing to say that to a hockey player just before a game? It it was nuts.
9: So when you'd get home, let's say, early from a season in 86, 87, maybe you'd go for an ale at Barry T's in Edmonton. Would would you be privy to any of the talk that was going on between the Oilers and the Flames when they'd meet in the playoffs? Like, Did you get to see maybe behind the scenes, like you kind of just mentioned, against the Rangers and the Islanders, just how nasty it could get?
3: not really and uh i, I just sort of from afar and i i remember uh when in 87 when i was playing uh, for team canada in the canada cup and and gretzky in fact not only did he mention the battle of alberta but he also talked about winnipeg and how he mm-hmm. thought that they were maybe at that time one of the toughest teams for the oilers because they were built very much like Edmonton, they had Dale Howard, Chuck, and, and so you heard different things about different teams, but not, not specific personal battles. Okay, so let's get into
1: this series a little bit, Kelly, while we got you here, and you heard Ryan Leslie bring up, like, I mean, you've got 400-point guys on the ice in this series. Yeah. You've got four of the top eight scorers in the league. Do you think they'll have room to do the kind of damage that we know they can do?
3: I think it'll be more open than uh, Calgary-Dallas, but not much. Uh, and I don't think that's what Daryl Sutter wants. I just think that the Oilers are going to sort of force them into it because uh, Dallas didn't have uh, – the, the forwards weren't as dangerous as I think uh, it's pretty obvious that answer that uh, Edmonton's forwards are. But having said that, I just think that both teams know that collectively they have to play better defensively than maybe they had against each other in the regular season.
9: So they know defensively how they have to play, Kelly. If you're a player, like we're hyping this thing up, like we're Don King and Vince McMahon, right? We're fans yeah. bought into it. Media's bought into it. If you're a player in this, Kelly, do you buy into this, or, or do you just go, okay, another playoff series?
3: Oh no, you buy into it. Mm-hmm. You can feel it. Like you can feel the energy, and and I know uh, just from being around the city for the last two days now, and I, I kind of. I was trying to think back when I felt the city was backing the flames to this same degree, and I, I went back to 2004 when they lost to Tampa in the finals. But it was building; it was a slow build. Then yeah. they they faced Vancouver in the first round, won in overtime. Then they faced Detroit, beat them in in six games, and it was building. But it wasn't at this level right now. Like. Everywhere I've been, uh, my wife and I went out for dinner last night and I think every single person in the restaurant chatted to us about the Flames and, uh, and uh, Oilers battle. Um, it, it leads the, uh, the newscast at night, you know, top story. It's not about what's going on in the city. It's the Battle of Alberta. So it's at a, a level that I'm unacc- unaccustomed to. Now, I suppose if you were a player in the 80s or 90s playing in this, uh, you could have experienced the same sort of thing. But I haven't seen this before. It seems like that would be kind of hard
1: for a player to toe the line between getting caught up and making sure you execute Kelly just being in a rivalry like this. Is that like how does a coach um, in game one of the Rangers and Islanders or a battle of Alberta make sure that his troops toe the line?
3: Well that's right. And so you have to have lots of communication about controlling your emotions and uh, we know what happened. Uh, in Toronto versus Tampa, Game One, Kyle Clifford with the a little bit uh, too ramped up and takes a boarding penalty and he's out five minutes into the game and yeah. it's five minute uh, boarding major. So that's what you have to guard against. I, I, you know, a couple times in my career, in particular when we played Toronto and Montreal in the finals in '93, I found myself too much uh, into the spirit of the game, like the, the emotions. You know, you go out. And in the Great Western Forum back then, it was the loudest building I had ever experienced, and it was deafening. And but it got me too ramped up, and I had to try and tell myself to calm down. You know, it's 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 quite easy to tell yourself to do it. It's not very easy to do it when when the crowd is just surging like that, and and you can feel it. It's 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 right in the air.
9: Mike Smith, he can get pretty ramped up between the pipes and sometimes right. outside of the crease. Can he maintain it?
3: Well, that's a great question, right? Now, he is brilliant in the first round, other than the giving up that uh, game-winning goal in game one, but he's going he's to have to be one of those guys that makes sure that he tries to control himself, and, and it's going to be hard for him.
1: Is that one of the keys of this? I mean, obviously, there's a bunch of different keys to this series, but I feel like if in, in round one from natural stat trick, the goals saved above expected. It was Jake Ottinger, then it was Mike Smith, then it was Jacob Markstrom. If Mike Smith plays to the same level as Jacob Markstrom, is that how the Oilers win this series, Kelly? That's right. Yeah.
3: Uh, and I I believe he's up to the challenge. Like, what he really proved to all of us in the first round was uh, phenomenal in, in that he didn't get caught up in giving up that game winning goal and that terrible mistake. And there's, you know, there's even, uh, I don't know, some, some fight in him. He was defiant, right? Remember Scott Oak after game two? He had a shutout. And Scott Oak asked him about uh, how did he rebound from giving up that goal. And he kind of, uh, you know, he, he answered with a kind of dismissive answer. So I like that about him. And he's able to somehow find that, uh, that passion, but, but, you know, sort of under control. I, I can really relate to Mike Smith because that's how I played. I had to play with a lot of emotion.
1: Right. Uh, I'm I'm guessing there's going to be a lot of emotion in the building and I'm guessing there's going to be a lot of emotion with you and David Amber who are in the city that this game will be played in.
9: Is Amber staying at your house, Kelly, or did they put him <laughs> up in a hotel?
3: <laughs> no, I'm not like Jordan Spieth at the tournament last week where yeah. he invited all his yeah. friends to stay. And Dave I bought like a sleeping bag buddy, and everything. Too. Yeah, <laughs> Right?
1: <laughs> Brought the blow-up mattress. Yeah. Thanks for doing this, Kelly. Always appreciate it, and enjoy the series. My pleasure. Thanks, guys. Have fun, buddy. There is uh, Kelly yeah, Rudy. On the road in Calgary, on his way to the Saddle Dome as we speak.
9: I can't wait. I'm so pumped up. I'm so pumped up for just a a, a Two
1: generations of fans to Uh, see what I've been yelling about for years. So, Kelly didn't play in the Battle of Alberta. Up next, uh, we'll talk to Craig McTavish. And he did play in this matchup. In fact, he was front and center in this matchup a couple of different times. I was at that game. We'll discuss the Battle of Alberta, and we may even leave out that incident. We should. (laughs) Next.
7: several
9: great rivalries in the NHL, but none more intense than the one you're seeing tonight, the Battle of Alberta, the uncivil war between Calgary and Edmonton. In goes
0: Glenn Anderson, center for Gretzky, scores! The fourth goal of the night for Wayne Gretzky. Seven-point night for Gretzky. The Edmonton Oilers take the series four games to one. Here's Curry breaking in,
1: Everybody's in a state of shock right now. And they
5: count for about it. For the count reflames another to the throaty of the Stanley Cup champions. Gretzky going in, Super so trying to get back. Gretzky with his nice score.
2: Boy, what a goal.
0: Messier gets it away. Here's Fleury looking for his first goal of the series. Scores! And there, Fleury and the Flames are in seventh heaven. Scores. And Satikinen has won it for the Oilers. Oh, yeah. One of the great series we'll ever experience.
4: Some blood has been spilled over the years between both of these clubs, and a real bitterness between the two teams. And you
6: love to see. That's what brings out the best in the Battle of Alberta. And, that's
5: oh, that's and Mike Smith is going to go. Ice. Oh. Oh. This is unbelievable. That <laughs> just
6: keeps getting better and better.
4: Zach Cassian is incensed. Be honest, straight up. Well, if he you know, doesn't want to get hit, then stay off the tracks. Boy, I'll tell you, welcome to the Battle of Alberta.
1: I can hardly hold Kenny back in studio. <laughs> so pumped up! Uh, figured we'd get the perspective of someone who's seen it from a couple of different angles, as a player, as a coach, as a GM. Craig McTavis joins us now from Edmonton. Craig, thank you so much for doing this with us.
0: Very welcome good to see you both uh, equally excited Kenny about the battle of Alberta yes. starting to... so, Those things brought back a lot of uh, a lot of great memories and that. you know one or two not so good.
1: Yeah. So, so let's dive in there. Like, okay. cause I, I I mean I know you yeah. brought your name up but I, I got to yeah, ask yeah, go like you've spent 17 years in the show. You've been around this. Is this the best rivalry that you've ever been a part of.
0: Well it certainly was back in the 80s. There's no question and uh, it's no secret that Edmonton is better when Calgary is better and vice versa. And we definitely had in a lot of people's minds, certainly our own, that uh, we had the best two teams in the league back in those days. And we took great pride in pounding teams equally as they came through uh, highway number two. And, uh, you know, and it really brought out the best in us. It made us be better. We made them be better. And uh, you know, it was a different era. It was a lot more uh, fighting. Uh, maybe it, it's going to be physical for sure. Uh, but the the, the fighting, the, there was a lot more fighting back in those days.
9: Yeah, I've noticed that from from YouTube and stuff like that. From, I remember it as a kid. I used to go to bed early, and Dad would wake me up so I could watch the Flames and the Orders in the playoffs back about, back out east. And Craig, I wanted to ask you when you showed up in '85, did you have a moment playing against the Flames? Where you kind of looked around and you said, Oh, oh, this is what this is. This is what I've gotten into. Was there one thing well, that's stands all our out?
0: crazy meetings back as players of seemingly always in that Calgary Flame dressing room, and little bit of a little bit of a little bit a player, and, and maybe a little bit as a coach too as a well, that there, there's maybe four or five really crazy bit of a tense meetings that we've had. And, and three or four of those have always been in Calgary because, I mean, your manhood was always called into question as it'll be called into question tonight, certainly in the first game of the series. But, uh, you know, there were some wild, wild memories uh, of meetings that we had in Calgary.
1: I don't know if it's the last two years that we've collectively been through in this country, but like I don't know if I've seen these two buildings as loud as they have been through one round of play, never mind what's going on outside of both of these buildings. Can the crowd actually play a factor, Craig, when you're in a rivalry that is this intense and have two fan bases that are into it as much as Calgary and Edmonton are?
0: Oh, for sure. Yeah. The crowd is... Uh... Very inspirational, and uh, I mean our players. I mean, we won a playoff series a few years ago, but they're really seeing now firsthand the adulation and the passion that Oiler fans have for their hockey team. And this market gets, and I think rightfully so, criticized a lot for being a bit of a fishbowl for the players when things are going wrong and when things are going poorly. There really is no place to hide in the city of Edmonton. But conversely, when things are going well as they are now, there's no place you want to hide. And it's really good for our players, especially our star players, to see the level of appreciation and passion that our fans uh, have for them as players. And uh, I mean, the the entertainment value, I was to the first three games uh, against LA, the entertainment value in that building is, high high level entertainment there's all kinds of drama i could watch the fan cam the whole game i mean just the passion of the fans and how exciting everybody is to be back and be back rolling it's been a long time as uh you guys fell well full well know uh to get ourselves to this position 31 years since the last battle of alberta and you know we really as edmonton oilers fans and citizens of, of uh The city of Edmonton, you know, welcome Calgarians to come in here and uh, support their team. Obviously, we want to beat their brains out or have our players beat their team's players' brains out in sports uh, competitions. But there there really is a, a healthy respect between the two cities.
9: As a coach, Craig, how did you get guys to play out of their comfort zone? And who will have to play out of their comfort zone in order for the Oilers to succeed in this series?
0: Well, I think everybody really is. I I think what Calgary is going to do tonight is they're going to try and dominate the most critical areas on the ice. And by that, I mean the net front in both ends and we're going to be challenged to compete as aggressively and physically as they are at the net front. And I think that they feel that they have an advantage Uh, at both net fronts, and it's gonna be up to us to manage the emotion, manage the retaliation, box out physical play at the net front, but not get drawn into penalties. I think, uh, you know, the the way I used to always frame it for uh, our players, and really as a player too, it was framed to me this way, is the last thing you wanna have happen to you as a player is to be in that dressing room, in a battle of Alberta, in a war, and not having played a significant factor in that battle in adding to your overall team toughness and abrasiveness of your team. You've got to do it intelligently, but you want to be a part of it, and it'd be a lonely feeling being in that dressing room at the end of the game, not having been involved in a game that's going to be as physical as these are.
1: Jesse and I were talking off the top about how good Connor McDavid's been. I mean, eight points in the last three games. He's the best player on planet Earth. But I also thought that his physicality in Game 7 against L.A. set the tone very early. A big, he started with a bang, and he ended with a bang. Do, do, I don't know if you necessarily want the best player in the world running around trucking dudes, but did his physicality sur- surprise you? Do you think it set a tone, or is that just TV guy talk?
0: Well, no, it, it absolutely did that check on Dersey in his first shift set the tone for sure, but he's played that way throughout the playoffs up until the, these playoffs. There's always been something, maybe not tangibly missing, but something missing in terms of his game. And uh, certainly he's, he's, he's found that, that extra gear and he's realized the price and how exhausting it is for superstars four superstars to win at this level. And I mean, I go back to Mark Messier in 1994 in New York when he was, I mean, at the end, he was about 188 pounds where, uh, I mean, all he did was go to the rink and commit himself to winning a Stanley cup. And Connor's taking that on this year. He's adding all these elements that aren't necessarily in his regular season, game to game toolbox for sure. And what, what's, What does big game player like everybody wants to be a big game player, but what does that mean? And to me, it means players doing things outside of their necessary strengths that they have. Connor's an amazing player with the puck amazing physically or amazing uh, offensively, but he's added that physical element uh, as well. The defensive element he's on the right side of the puck. Jay Woodcroft has talked a lot about backtracking and has really made a huge improvement on, uh, on, on the Oilers since he's taken over and all these guys and your best player has to be your best example. And things are just easy when that happens. And certainly he's, uh, he's been that, I mean, ama- amazing, uh, performance that he's had so far. I hope he has the resiliency and the, and and the reserves to to keep it going and i suspect he does
9: does that come with maturity too craig because this is a league often where you have to lose first and yeah. he had he had to see when he was 18. Yeah,
0: I, I think for sure you have to you have to experience losing for motivation and uh you know you you sit around after a season another season of losses and wondering when when's this development come as an individual and as a team and It comes when you make it happen. And uh, he's certainly come to the conclusion uh, very strongly that he's going to make it happen. And when you see him uh, putting that type of effort uh, and doing things that he's normally not customarily doing, I mean, that's inspirational to everybody else on the venture. It should be.
1: Did you see the same kind of thing from Leon Drysaddle in game seven? I didn't think that we would see him on the ice for 20 minutes, let alone uh, 22 38 when all was said and done.
0: Yeah. Fantastic uh, effort from Leon. Like it really didn't look good at the end of game six uh, against LA when LA was pressing, but and Leon was noticeably hurt, uh, but he makes the critical play to Barry to get the winning goal. And, uh, I mean, players that are that much better than everybody else can still be highly effective at 80 or 90%. And I think Jay's done a very sharp thing, a very smart thing by surrounding Leon with the speed of Taylor Yamamoto and and Connor. So he doesn't have to drive the rush and he can catch the rush, but he doesn't really, it didn't look like the last game He had, uh, you know, outside speed as part of uh, his weaponry. And he's playing with two guys that skate very well. And I still think he's going to be very dangerous. Hopefully he gets in there and plays. I, I understand he didn't skate again this morning. So hopefully he's able to go tonight.
9: You can see why I didn't skate. I wouldn't want to work it too hard before a game.
0: But uh, Craig, what's going to be the
9: safest place or most dangerous place to watch this series? Is it Red Deer on Gasoline Alley? The, the junior home of, of all-time legend Colby Armstrong, I might add. Yeah. Like, where's the safest place in Alberta to watch this series?
0: Well, I mean, Red Deer is probably a pretty good start. There's uh, if, if you're a Calgary fan... We want to certainly make it safe for them to come here and participate and cheer on their team. And I know Calgary will do the same for oiler fans, but uh, it's, it's just so good for the province to have this at this time. And everybody's jacked up, I, I mean, the, the, the energy level here is palpable. And we're, we're looking forward to getting it done.
9: Are you going to be selling 50-50 tickets again in the playoffs? Because <laughs> I saw you were selling 50-50 tickets earlier this year at an Oilers game. That's, That's a lot
0: so. harder than it looks. Yeah. <laughs> you, know, it <laughs> you just sell a ticket, they get half, we get half. There's all these receipts. You've got all this machinery. We had uh, an opportunity, my daughter and I did, to... Uh, support uh, sports equipment nice time for indigenous kids so we awesome we did it but we had a lot of fun with the fans and i've had a lot of fun with our fans and uh you know we uh we're really uh excited to get this thing going amazing and
1: even more amazing we got through this entire interview without the tourist question about harvey the hound we mac t appreciate you doing this with us never
0: gets, old, ken. <laughs> it never gets
1: old hey we got through it we didn't even we didn't even bring it up until the end and yeah. i felt like it was a tourist question i like... didn't scream i was there that night <laughs> no. i just did but there
9: you
0: are oh, now no, we brought it don't up. run it don't run it no all right it never gets old ken great uh great talking to you guys and yeah Looking uh, look forward to catching up down the road thanks beauty right. be thanks, well craig.
1: okay bye guys there is uh craig mctavish in edmonton getting set for the people
9: battle always say mac T, he played in the battle of alberta with no bucket i'm like yeah but half the orders had gretzky jofas on <laughs> yeah, <that was> <laughs> no like disrespect having... craig but that was just like having no helmet and for
1: the uninitiated red deer is about halfway between. It, that is perfect it's gasoline alley you stop for gas and red deer yeah there uh, you go all right time for our final break jesse rubinoff back in the fold we'll do last call Kenny, Timmy, and Jesse. You think Colby's we'll to... still big in Redbeard, you think? Of course he is. Hey, bud, this is where my billet live, bud. <laughs> I
9: don't
1: want to brag or anything, but uh, Tim and Friends trending in Canada earlier today nice. uh, because of this giveaway. We have a, uh, a hoodie, I am a friend. Very nice. I am a friend. I'm a contractually obligated colleague. (laughs) And uh, we'll We'll thank our friends by uh, giving one of these away, one of these bad boys away a little later on. But Jesse, we also sent out on Twitter uh, a question about daytime TV, because right off the top of the show, I was mentioning how we're on at three o'clock in Alberta, which yes. makes it kind of sort of tough. B and
9: Jean are watching in Banff, Alberta, by the way. They just texted me. What we
1: were up against, <laughs> yes, on oh, the Alberta right. TV waves, right? And uh, so we started talking about the best daytime TV show of all
2: time. Yes, I think I know. Um, I didn't know you were going to bring up the hoodie, so I just want to show this because Vinny uh, sent. Did his oh, Worked his oh, magic. That's yeah, sweet. Contractually obligated. Thank quality. you, Biddy. Yeah, looks Thank much you, better Bitty on cent. you, Kenny. How I look in yes. that yes. picture. Yes, Timmy. Uh, we were talking earlier about the daytime TV, so we put out the question what's the greatest daytime television show of all time? Uh, Bill writes in and says, The price is right and it's not close. Corey, saved by the bell morning show. Oh, right. the yeah, family, yeah. uh, Andrew, Law and Order on A and E was a staple in college. I mean that's still a staple. That's yeah, controversial. That's so technically, not technically, not daytime, technically not daytime TV. No. TV. That's Sony like a generation. If I said uh, Danger <laughs> Bay, <those laughs> that was the rerun. Syndication right. does not qualify. Okay, Law and Order's out. Uh, Jay says Flintstones at noon on a sick day when you were you were a kid, no contest. True. But was Flintstones on a primetime show first? It was, a, that syndication as well. That uh,
9: technically
1: doesn't count. So, but there was a, there was, and, and Jesse wouldn't remember this because he's too young, but there was a fight at lunchtime, between at least in the market. and Price is Right. Flintstones and Leave it to Beaver, where I grew up. Mm, and yeah, leave, some it some leave it to beaver, to beaver was a solid, solid lunchtime. Yeah, uh, uh, ours, ours was some Price is, is Right or Flintstones or DuckTales some They'd days. come home for some steamies at home at lunch and it would be a Steemies. tough it would be a tough choice Steemies. between welcome steamies yeah welcome back carter was what, good what's a steamy
2: uh, what's a steamy oh yeah no, that's, hey, uh,
1: okay. I, I, yeah
2: that's terrible uh gator says fresh Prince, no question no nope. doesn't qualify doesn't qualify. I, is, is that not the same thing? That's primetime. We're time. doing that, yeah.
9: Best daytime TV. We're talking but Maury this... Povich. That's what we got to talk about. Right. Maury right. Povich. The days of our lives. There Ellen we go. Ellen There we uh, go. We were saying the price is right. Yeah, the price is right. Some game shows. Sale of the Century with Jim Perry. Uh, Alex said Tim and Friends, so uh, big big oh.
4: points. Oh, big right. points to Alex.
9: What about Definition? Remember that? You'd be on yeah. for four and a half weeks, you'd leave with $78 and a toothache. <laughs> that's so it's good. our 17-time champion. So far, they've won uh, half a toaster and three months' worth of free dental work.
2: Love when you put that voice on. <laughs> and that was out in so the good. States, too. Definition? Yeah.
9: It was produced here. It was made here in Toronto. No, it was made in Canada. Well, that's how desperate we States. were for daytime TV. Well, that's probably where Jim Perry got his break, right? Because he started it. Some U.S. scout probably said, you know what, that guy could host a
2: Sale of the Century type show. Maybe Card Sharks. There you go. All right, uh, we're getting set for the second golf major of the year. It gets underway tomorrow at Southern Hills in Tulsa, Oklahoma. And like we usually do before majors, let's have a peek at what Vegas is saying about certain players. We start with our boy, Scotty Scheffler, Masters Champion, top-ranked golfer in the world. He recently said this week, uh, Southern Hills is one of his favorite courses in the world. He shot a 64 in a practice round there just two weeks ago, so look out for him. Colin Murakawa's got two majors, including the PGA two years ago, and a top five in every major to his name. Jordan Spieth, second in last week's event, heating up and still with a chance to complete the career grand slam. Brooks Kepka, a major machine, four in his career, coming in at a big price though. He's got cuts in his last three of his last six events, and uh, Tiger, uh, you might have heard of him he is coming in at 66-1. to one. Another fun way, I thought, guys, to bet on golf, if you're so inclined, you can wager on the best score to come out of a particular group. And we have some pretty good groups, as you can see. Rory McIlroy, Jordan Spieth, Tiger Woods going out together, and John Rahm, Scotty Scheffler, and Colin Murakawa. So that's a pretty so best interesting... best score in the group. Best score in the group. Uh, it is a... Bet Rivers, it's a whole new game. Download the Bet Rivers online casino and sportsbook app today. Um, so, Yeah. I like Tiger in that group, and plus. Are you going to do City it again? I think i think going to have. I won't
1: get in your way this time. I, I got I'm in your gonna... way last time, and I was chastised yeah. by both you and Elliot Friedman, so I'll stay out of the way. Who so are you picking to win? Uh, this, the Scheffler like, favorite course thing, that works, but yeah. it's not much value right now. I'm going to yeah. go with a man who's united the
9: golf
2: world. Greg Norman. <laughs> <laughs> All right, uh, Kenny, the flames in the others obviously <laughs> Battle of Alberta. <laughs> Goes to sarcasm. For those who who don't know, Um, first time since 1991. So, what were you doing in the spring of 1991,
9: Kenny? Grade 11, training for my uh, midget C season that started up the following. uh, I was collecting baseball cards and hockey cards and watching this series in my room alone. You got any cards
2: from that series? Oh yeah,
9: I got a ton from 91, 75. Seventy-four. I was. of am a late seventy-four. September seventy-four. For those yeah, of you asking, that's pretty damn close to me. I was in grade ten. There you go. And I was. Pro, I was watching Degrassi junior high. I was getting collecting cards, watching hockey all mm-hmm. the time, man. Mid eighties, I'd go to bed early. Dad would wake me up at ten or eleven whenever it started at all. So was watch. this like
2: in the upper echelon of series for you guys over the no,
9: I could care less about the PGA Championship or whatever. Anything else this weekend, really? It's yeah, like it, it, was it was awesome. like.
1: My dad let me stay up for these kind of things, Mm -hmm. just period, and this would never let you down. Uh, Kenny Reed never lets us down. Jesse Rubinoff never lets us down, and we try, in turn, to never let you down. Here's what we got for you tonight. Coming up next on Sportsnet, Rangers and Hurricanes, and, of course, kids, it all starts with Hockey Central, 9 Eastern, 7 Local. Enjoy it. We'll talk to you again tomorrow.